call me Mr. Three. Hi, I'm Patrick Kent. I'm the Director of National Accounts at Phenom People, and you're listening to The Sassholes. Welcome to Sassholes, the podcast of show dedicated to issues within the software as a service industry. With me, Jamie, Jason, and Pete. We have over a combined 100 years of making huge mistakes and some minor mistakes. We're more than happy to share with you all of them. Please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Also, you can find us on LinkedIn um, and reach out to us for any topics that you may or may not have. Today, we're joined with a very special guest. Interpret special in any way you want. His name is Patrick Kent, Director of National Accounts at Phenom People. Um, but before we get into talking about Patrick's uh, rise from an admin Obscurity. to uh, Director of uh, Accounts at uh, Phenom People, we have to go through some, we have to pay for our sponsors, pay for the podcast, and then also go through Pete's joke and some news. So I apologize. But before we get started, let's go through uh, our ad. So this episode is brought to you by NeuroNoodle, NeuroNoodle.com. Get a doodle of your noodle today, which is a brain map. You can find out why if you have panic attacks, you're dealing with any type of mental health issue, uh, visit NeuroNoodle.com. Tell them the Sassel sent you and you get 50% off your brain map before we get that. And they're good people over at NeuroNoodle.com. Um, but the probably the most painful part of the show is the joke of the day. So Pete, take Carney. us through the joke of the day. Yes, Pete. Arnie. Yeah. Arnie? Yes. Arnie? Yes, Pete. What did the fish say when he hit the wall? I don't know. Damn. Uh, it's, a, it's a good one. I mean, it's a good yeah, one. Not really. No. I, I w- can I just, I know, whatever, you guys have a structure. We don't, we don't but- really want to, like dive into these jokes these beats well i just want to say i was watching the office the american version of the office and there's a scene where michael scott calls pam and he's like what's that joke and he he has to tell a joke like on a sales meeting and she runs him through like five or six and he's like that's the one and i died laughing because i literally had a book of jokes that pete would ask me he'd be like give me we, we got time to do a presentation let's find a joke and I would do the exact same thing, but in real life. Okay, so now we'll go through some shout-outs. And uh, anyone's happy to join in on shout-outs, but Pete, we'll let you start. You know, all these people that get married, why do you get to change their names? Kirsten Duncan Cahill, or Cahill Duncan, Senior Manager Customer Success at Exabeam. I wonder what that company does. Congratulations, Arnie. I got a shout-out. Jeff Kinney. Buddy of mine, a uh, fellow uh, used to live next door to me. We coached our kids in baseball together, and uh, he just got promoted to director of customer success at MuleSoft. And I, I know the guys over there at MuleSoft, Glenn Johnson as well. So shout out to both of them, I guess, Jeff Kinney and Glenn Johnson at MuleSoft. Love the shoes. I'd like to congratulate Ty Russell one year at Colwell Banker. She worked her way up off the street into is now over at Oh Banker. Way to go, Ty Russell. 
I got a shout out for Jeff Cole. He was at Career Builder. He's a CIO over at OneSpan. He's also an, he claims to be an avid listener to our podcast. I, That's all we need is a claim. He right. just claims it. So if he is actually listening, I expect him to, uh, uh, you know, ping me, either text me or tell me he's, he listened to this episode. Yeah, leave a rating, leave a comment in iTunes. It really helps our visibility, I believe, right? Yes. No, we don't need any more than 11. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're fine. We're capped. i tell you what. Hey, Jeff, we know you're not listening, but if you are, we will buy you a cup of coffee. Just mention oh. this. Ooh. Yeah, 100%. And then Dan Dohaney, three-year anniversary on the board of Augustine Institute. That's a school, by the way. I, I had a, I had a, a shout out, but you guys exhausted the shout out slot. So I guess we'll just save no, it for did. another time. No, we've, we've done as many as 13, I think. Uh, yeah, there was one time That's a riveting it. material. It was. People just wanted to hang people on. All right, news of the day. So Karnak, Tribune, 650 mil. Yeah, about the same as what Kribbler sold for. Now, the question is, there's Tribune... They only own, they only bought the papers, right? Did they buy the media? Publishing, publishing, publishing. What's the publishing? Yeah, I mean, I'm shocked. So PE firm. I mean, what are they going to squeeze? I think the paper is what four pages now. What are they going to do? Yeah, I, I, dude, I is, is, is the same PE firm. I was reading up on it when you pointed it out to me yesterday. It seems like they're they're buying up all the newspapers. I don't know, and they're just going to cut everything publishing. possible and do like one general. I, I think it'll be. A national newspaper that will look like it's branded local. All right, I think do we have any other news? AI generated. Besides, hey Pete, another another news that I didn't put on the list was uh, the unemployment came out today, hundred thousand more than was expected. So unemployment Mm. claims are going up. Layoffs are. That's not even news. That's why I don't even have it on there. More more unemployed, unbelievable. Consumer spending up, though, which is good. Up 5%. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Mike Madigan resigned for those guys in Illinois. Jason, too bad you're not here to celebrate, but he was under allocation. Parade must uh, be great. Well, he got forced to resign, I believe, unless uh, if he didn't, the FBI was going to come down on him. I believe that was the uh, (laughs) arrangement. Yeah, yeah that's that's wait. that's Illinois politics right there. Strong, strong Illinois tradition. Yeah, like our our governor right now tried to buy Obama's seat was the highest bidder, and we put that that idiot governor in jail, and we gave this guy the job. When you say seat in Pritzker, it was the uh, the toilet seats he took out of his uh, vacation house, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Save on taxes. Yeah. Okay, I hate news. About our main topic, Karnak. Yeah, Patrick Kent. Tell us a little bit about yourself. The origin story of Patrick Kent. Oh, Oh, boy. Tell us back, Patrick, when you were a baby. I'm kidding. When I was a baby, growing up in sweet Mississippi, I bet you didn't know that about me. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm an Air Force kid, so I grew up. Three in Oregon or something. Yeah. That too. That's all of them can be true. So I, I was born in Oregon, then we moved to Mississippi, then the Philippines, the what? tropical island of the Philippine Islands. Grew up, grew up on Clark Air Force Base till fifth grade, 
then came back to Oregon, high school, college, dropped out, moved to Chicago. So ended up in Chicago. And yeah, I first started in sales at, at uh, Career Builder selling to companies with under 30 employees. And uh, oh. I remember, what's that? What year was that, Kent? Oh, six. Oh. Oh, six. Yeah. Just after, I came like the week after everyone popped champagne for uh, Overtaking Monster in 06. Anyways, uh, one of my guys in my new hire class, he quit. I mean, his turnover was like, I don't know, 340%. It was like, uh, it was insane. But uh, had nothing to do with P. He was trying his best. Um, oh, yeah. But this guy quit and he goes, my, his territory was Indiana and he drove through and he's like, it was so discouraging because I saw a ton of my client signs just in like abandoned buildings and broke down shacks. And it's like, it was insane what we were trying to do. But um, yeah, I quickly, that was quickly not a fit. And so I became uh, Joe and Pete's admin. And that was on, on, honestly the best job I've ever had. It was insane. Um, except for the pay. When you're saying, hold uh, on, you're yeah. saying Joe, you mean Joe Pack over at uh, DocuSign? DocuSign. Pack? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Recently promoted Joe Pack over at DocuSign. He got promoted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's What's like, he, he was like, he's he, uh, ironically, he's like going to be uh, senior VP taking over the entry level sales at DocuSign, just like what you were. Holy crap. Yeah. We got to get packed. No wonder he won't come on. Yeah, he's too big. He's he's uh, living off that that going public money right now. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So I was an assistant there. I, I can't even re- remember for how long. Several years. There was a lot of foibles and mishaps. It was great. It was wonderful. No, wait, hold, oh, Kent. One of the assistants there. Didn't I just see him on Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah, Edgar. Yeah. Is that who you're talking you about? Were- yeah, yeah. You yeah. guys were, were were buds, right? Comedians. What a one-two combo! Yeah, he. Yeah, we were both. We knew each other from the comedy world. Sure <laughs> yeah, he's doing great. I talk to him all the time. So you had quite a run of uh, of unique admins. <laughs> yeah. Questionable hires. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twenty k will only get you so far. <laughs> I'll tell you, Pete has probably hired more people than a lot of companies combined. Just because that we were hiring like at those times, and then also firing, <laughs> we still only captured around like 180 employees, but we probably hired 2,000 to get to those 180. You know, I yeah, well, I, I will he's... say, and I, I totally agree that that about about Pete and and his experience. I mean, it is honestly something I you I I claim as a skill that I learned at at Career Builder is the ability to hire quickly. And the the ability to transition people out of a company quickly. There are lots of people out there who aren't very good at it, which makes running a company really difficult. And so when you get good at it, like that's a legitimate skill to have. And certainly one thing I learned uh, at at my time there too. He's probably trained and and hired all of Salesforce and LinkedIn in Chicago as well. (laughs) Oh yeah. The whole city of Chicago. The whole city of Chicago. no, No thanks needed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny wherever I go and I, you know, I company I, I work for now, I bumped into a couple people that were under Pete. It's a mixed bag. Uh, the people that say can't stand Pete. I'm always like, you're not good. 
And the ones that go, I had a really rough time, but I understand now what Pete wanted. I'm like, all right, that's good. Um, But there's some people that are like, Pete didn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. You should be. 100%. Yeah. So Kent, Kent, are you one of those people? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a foundational Pete guy. Yeah. You built the foundation. Like it's, People, you don't have a, a appreciation of what a crazy task. Yeah, oh. it was a crazy time. And how did you start as an admin? When it, you started in sales, and you're an admin, how'd you get back into sales? And you're pretty damn successful. How did that? What happened? I just changed my focus. Honestly, um, you know, we moved. My wife and I moved out to LA. I was doing. I was trying. I was continuing. I. I kind of treated career, you know, this, I treat a career builder like a day job. And then I was going out from, you know, eight to two in the morning, every night doing stand up. And I was getting, I was getting pretty good. And I was starting to open, you know, for some big guys and, and scripts were take getting meetings in LA and stuff. And then honestly, you know, when I started approaching 40, I was like, okay, so like in stand up, you know, how the path goes. So it's like, okay, I know where I am today. I know, 10 years from now, I'm going to be staying in motel sixes and like crappy stand-up condos. And I was like, do I want to be 50 doing that? And I just, I honestly, I, I decided to stop pursuing that professionally and start taking a look at my job, my career and, and focusing on that. Really, I just, I switched focus and switched my priorities and went back into sales and just worked my ass off. And it worked. I, I do have a theory because I, you know, I spent years in sales training. I was your admin for years. You know, it's very little of the success is really that attributable to the person. Like a lot of things have to line up. You know, you have to get a good book. You have to have a good leader. You have to have clients that connect with you. And that's a lot of that stuff's out of your control. So really, I, I did work hard, but I did also get an excellent book and an excellent leader, and that helped me succeed for sure. Hey, Patrick. I- I, I love the idea that it was just a different focus. You could have chosen to do any number of things, right? So I think this, the transferable skill set you have from, honestly, from stand-up comedy is, uh, it's, it's huge, right? You could have gone into some job where you like speak or train, or but you chose to go back into sales. So why specifically go back into a, into a sales role and not look for something else? Right. Some other type. Yeah. Yeah. Because career, they tried to push me into a marketing role and I just was, and I had been in marketing. I didn't like, for me, a lot of it was like, do you want to be a cost center or do you want to be a revenue generator? It feels a lot better. And it feels like you get a lot more support as a revenue generator. And I do think if we're, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, not having a college degree scared me, you know, and it scared me off of a lot of paths that I I maybe could have track down but i knew in sales like if you can sell you earn your seat like pete used to say it's 30-day contracts like you get you this is like we made it through january now you got your new 30-day contract Pete didn't understand that february only has 28 days you know you just earn your seat for the next month yeah Yeah. you learn that in middle Um, school yeah (laughs) yeah uh so anyway so that's why i think i I I stuck with sales in a nutshell when you went back into sales, then, you know, there are lots of different types of sales. You can go into be on the phone, you can go out be in front of people. Yeah. Did you have a, you know, did you just gravitate to something you knew or did you, you legitimately pick like, I, I knew I was good at this or I knew I can excel at this type of sale? 
Yeah, I waited for a while. I waited for for almost nine months because I knew that I knew I know what I knew what I have pretty clear understanding of what my strengths and weaknesses are. And so I knew that I couldn't just take a book. Like I, I don't I didn't feel like I could be successful but just taking a book. So I waited for the book in the right vertical, the right size of companies that I thought I could be successful with. So yeah, it took a while. And then and and then honestly the the leader, like to have a leader have an opening. Uh, at the right time, it took a while. So you waited for the right book, the right vertical, and the right leader. Yeah. Right? So yeah. those coming out, I, I mean, street, I did though, my best. Let's say they didn't know. You know, you don't know the leader until you're actually in the company. Yeah, it's going right? to be harder. Yeah, it's going to be harder. But I think that's a good thing. Like you got to know where where your strengths are in sales if you have that experience and if you <clears throat> you've bounced around a lot, right? Like uh, enough. I would think also. Correct me if I'm wrong. But in an unsure environment, if you're in sales, you almost can't control your own success in a way because they're going to give you a goal. And at the end of the day, it's did you exceed or go below that goal? And it's pretty clear on where you stand. Whereas if you're in marketing, they might say, I don't like you. It doesn't honestly does not change that much throughout the year. And and it, it really, you know, was never even really my focus like my focus was, wasn't the number I wanted to get 300% of the number or whatever, you know, that was, so I was like mostly talking about deals. It's really the, the, the number one concern at that company for me was delivering on what I sold. Like that was the hardest part is then that I really felt, you know, in my first go around at sales, I was a company man. I was like, the job, the job posting is 365 when I started, that's the price. And they were like, can we get a discount? And I was just like, nope, that this is worth it. Sell the value, sell the value. You should try to sell the value, but that's not really true. Like the sales rep is really the go between between the company and the client and trying to find out a deal that works well enough for both of them. You know, and so that it took me a while to learn that lesson. Yeah, especially because the the value kept diminishing over time because of commoditization, competition, and lack of investment, for sure, let's be yeah. honest. I mean, yeah. the other problem I always had with sales, and you were in sales training, and here's the one thing I always had, and you probably heard me, everyone wanted a success story. And, you know, let's put the success stories in front of everybody. And the reality was a success story meant they exceeded the expectations, right? So then when you, when you put that success story in somebody's hands and they use that to sell, they've just raised the bar on the expectations. And therefore, it's harder and harder to get a success story. I was always like, you need to, like in sales training, I get that you want to sell confidence in the product, but you also need to tell them how many were successes and how many were, you hear some failure stories where, you know, we overset expectations and they came in under. And, and for some reason, it, it just seemed like, no, we don't want to ever uh, communicate our bruises. And I was always like, we're on the same team. We should be yeah. communicating both of these so that, so that reps can digest this and know, hey, this person's not going to get, you know, a ridiculous amount of application. That was just a unique, rare instance. And uh, it was yeah, good to 100%. know, but you, you need to know what the reality is. I'll tell you one of the, you know, like I know Jason and Pete were really involved a lot in the formation of that company. And that was really the formation of my whole outlook on business was that company, you know, like, and, and the values of that company candor is like the best tool. Just saying no 
it's just such a powerful tool because I, I find that buyers aren't used to sales reps talking to them like that. Like sales reps just want to keep putting lipstick on the pig and just hopefully you don't notice while you're kissing it. And it's like, just to say like, Hey, you're, that's a pig. Like that is not, is really, really powerful in sales. And so, you know, I attribute that to coming, coming up through that system and being, you know, one time Pete was like, if there was one cheerleader, if that could be a job, that would be you. Cause I was just like such a fan, love the culture so much sticking to the values and not necessarily the, like the value of the product. And just because it's on a sliding scale, the product is less and more valuable to every different person you talk to. The sales rep's the one that's setting the expectations, right? So if you set the right expectations, oh, it's 365. Well, I want it to be blue and purple and this and that. Well, that's why it's 365. If you want it that way, it's 2000. You want to pay for it? No. Okay. 365. I'm the next one. Agreed. But, but I think what know I know what those expectations are. And so that's where it drove me nuts because I oversaw all the data and I would spend so much time arguing with reps like, the reality is this, and they'd be like, no, I've seen it happen this way with the customer. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's a unique instance. I can tell you out of all the customers, this is what you should be, uh, you should be telling them what it would be Here's, like. And they would are never want to- Are you wanna... saying sal- salespeople are influential? Yes, I am. <laughs> but I'm also saying that it's also sometimes their downfall when they don't. And a lot of yeah. it's due to coaching. They're, they're coached on these huge success stories. They're not coached on- Hey, 80% of the people are going to experience this type of uh, outcome. And, and I agree. I, at, at, at this new company, Phenom, one interesting thing they do, I, I've noticed the CEO is really involved uh, in the company. It's a lot smaller than even, you know, it's half the size like when I got to. Um, and so the CEO is really talks and he pairs up success stories with failure stories. It's really interesting. He's like, Hey, and he just says the rep's name. He's like, here's where they messed up. And this is where it went bad. And it's just like, it does to your point, Kearney, like become a little bit more helpful in framing the bigger picture. Hey, I love that. Yeah. I should talk to the CEO there. He stole my idea. I want to go back to something you said about strengths and weaknesses. You know, one of the reasons you went back into sales, you said, I understood my strengths and weaknesses. So I had two questions about that. One is, how did you understand that? Like, what did you do to say, this is what I'm good at. This is where I'm strong, you know, strong. This is where I'm weak and I'm going to make choices based on that. So how did you figure out what those were? And then what is, what is a strength that you brought to FINA, this role in feed on people? Okay. I don't really know how to answer the first question. Honest, okay. to be honest, I, a lot of it is how I was raised. You know, I was raised, um, by a national champion wrestler who was taught, he, you know, who raised me with these <clears throat> sort of, you know, values of, of always be assessing. It's, it, it can always be good. You're never going to reach perfect. And it's that journey of getting to perfect. So maybe that part had, and, you know, like even I remember when I was a kid, I had to wash a van and I did a bad job washing the van. There was like, you know, when kids wash your car, it's like dirt, <laughs> like whole sections <laughs> of dirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so it's like, instead of just like getting me in trouble for it or yelling at me or whatever, he marched me back out there and, and then oversaw me, you know, like sat there and watched and just said like, see, you're doing too, you know, like coach me up on it. And so it was like, that was kind of the, the world I was raised in. And then I do think stand up, like stand up is all about failure and like drastically feeling 
a ton of emotional pain it, a thousand times a night, you know, <laughs> like it's like yeah. it, the, the pain of being thinking in your head, like, Ooh, this is great. People are going to love this. And then seeing a hundred people disagree with you immediately yeah. is hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. And so you, I, I feel like you learn a lot, even just by failing at that process and then failing a trillion times over and over and over. And then you find the, the, the one way to say it that does work. And then it's so, so gratifying, you know? And yeah. so like be more self-aware. I certainly, all four of us probably certainly know people that are not self-aware. I mean, Patrick, so it's going to sort of be serious about it. I think what you just said is, you know, you've got to be an active participant in your life, right? So you've yeah. got to do, you've got to do the thinking about your own actions and your own behavior and what's successful, you know, there, I'm sure there are lots of books and classes and all that, but you have to be an, an active participant in your life. Right. And that's how you figure out strengths and that sort of thing. So if you think about going to, to Phenom, what, you know, what's one thing that like, Hey, this makes a difference. This strength of mine makes a difference here at this, at this company. So there's two answers to that. One of my strengths is that I have a, I consider myself a very candid, very real person. I'm not going to change the answer based on whether I'm talking to my team lead or the CEO, like the answer is the answer, you know? Mm -hmm. And so truth to me is really important. 15 people over there that were giving me good recommendations to the, to the hiring manager. And I am positive that the places that I was weak on my resume or in my background, they were saying, yeah, but he, but trust us, he can, he'll be, he'll be good. You know, so that helped me get in. Um, and I think that's just a, a strength of having a strong, true network, not a strong, like not a strong, like, oh, I went to networking events. Like those people don't care about you. But like having real relationships with people, that really helps. And then, you know, in the role, I'm in a farmer role. I have to grow these accounts. And so I think they, they knew that with my relationship skills, wouldn't we say over 50% of sales is just getting the meeting? I mean, that's like half the race is just getting them to talk to you. I'm really good at that because I'm, I'm just, I'll just ask for it. You know, um, I was, I'm thinking of a lady yesterday. She wanted more access to whatever, some product. And she's like, now it's not going to cost me money because I don't want to pay for anything else. And, you know, I just said to her, well, that's really at odds with what I want because I would like you to pay. And then she laughed and then we were able to like develop a meeting and, and based on just saying what I want. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's important. What you just said there though, is 50% of the work ethic in sales is just getting that meeting, getting that dialogue. Yeah. Right. And I agree. I think that's the hardest thing. I think it, in my opinion, it's the hardest thing because there's so much competitive noise and not even competitive noise. There's so much noise competitive meaning sales reps that should not be talking to have no value talking to a certain person. They're constantly hitting up people in certain levels at certain companies with stuff that means nothing to them. Yeah. That when there is something with value to let's say myself or somebody else, it's hard to determine because you're just getting onslaught with, Hey, uh, I'll help you edit your, your videos at your company. I'm, I'm in revenue operations. I, I have nothing that has nothing to do with me. Um, yeah. You just constantly get hit with sales, sales 
people voice uh, noise rather than competitive noise. Yeah, I almost never send um, anything to do with the company or the product or anything when I'm introducing myself to a client. Like um, uh, this, this guy's in Houston. And I was like, I, I need to get down there. And these are the four restaurants I'd like to try. And so as soon as we're vaccinated, can you just tell me which restaurant we'll be trying together? And it's like, those are the emails I send to them because sending, in my opinion, if everybody's sending facts about how we can boost your stuff 30% by this or that, then none of them matter, you know? Yeah. I almost feel like they're canned. Yeah. They were like told marketing to, made it. Told to, marketing. Yeah. Way to go, Jason. Yeah. Jason said yeah, this will yes. work. And then yeah, I'm the purveyor of all the crap emails. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like there's room for those conversations, but until they are willing to talk to you, the person, who cares? I respect the phone call more than the email. I know, yeah. I know a lot of people are moving more and more to email, but if somebody calls me now, I pick up and I give them, I typically give them time. And even though there's caller ID and all of that stuff, I, I typically respect the phone call. The question is, I can't pick it up all the time if I'm in a meeting. But if, if I'm not in a meeting and you get me at the right time, I will respect your time more on, an, on a phone call. I feel there's more effort and more sincerity behind that. Yeah, 100%. Well, people aren't doing it. Sales reps aren't doing it anymore. Everything's being automated. Yeah. And it's like, well, if you yeah. take the time to, to actually do it. Yeah, it does. It's so funny because when I started at, that was the whole, remember, that was the whole like news thing. It's like phones are out, emails are in back in 06. And then, yeah, you know, 20 years later. And so. yet we taught everyone. Yeah. I mean, we would teach everyone to just bang out phone calls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 200 a day. Yeah. Easy for sure. Yeah. I'm going to go 200 a day. It's like being a comedian, right, Kent? So you feel that yeah. pain or the agony <laughs> yeah. 30 right seconds away. at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If there was 200 a day, and you're a sales rep and you have to hit 200 a day, which I, I find that hard to believe it was 200 a day, but it was a lot. I think it was 225 200 a day. Was, I, 125 I, yeah. was the number, but 200. So that was just to get to 100%. But Pete's thing yeah. was like 100% is like the starting line for this company. So then people would stay well, to try what, to set the record. What I, would, what I would also say to anyone listening is a true, when you get a little bit more experience and everyone's going to admit it, you probably know which phone numbers to call and add a couple dials to, to beef yeah. your numbers up. So when Pete's saying 125, he probably knows 50% of them are real and 50% are fake. But when you are doing it, just give you some strategy to any of the new listeners out there. Don't pick the same number. Find a Rolodex of numbers that you know are that was yeah. when sales, I became sales advice admin. from a finance guy. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had a rep that 80% of his calls went to Bentley community college. Yeah. I had, their, so Pete, their exchange number. And I was like, dude, I, I got to fire you over this. When I became his admin, I knew all the tricks. Cause I had sat on the sales floor for a year and it was awesome. I was like a cheater hunter. It was just like, why am I fired? Cause Pat sniffed you out. Cause he knows all yeah. the, the weather hotlines and all the, theater movie times phone numbers and yeah yeah all right all right fun. let's get a couple let's get a couple things straight number one the 200 <laughs> dials it could be 500 dials if you weren't any good if you didn't practice yeah, right. your craft you'd have to trip over business right yeah. so if you memorized if you sounded natural you knew your material you didn't uh-huh. need 200 okay you know that that's number agreed one. 
if you're going for a job in sales, why not call and sell your services to the sales? hundred percent. And try yeah. to set an appointment. I mean, you should be calling, trying to set an appointment, which is actually your interview and tell them why you're great for this role. And, and if you, I mean, that's what sales is all about. So if you're trying to get a job yeah. in sales, I would, that would be my advice. I mean, do you agree with that? It's Pete? a different world now. Um, but like, I remember I worked for Hunter for a little bit, another guy, and he giving the speech for the sales rep of the year down at our, at our annual president's club trip. He was saying the way I, I, I rejected him five times and he, the, that's what that kid did. He, he basically cold called him and cold called him until Hunter picked up and then Hunter said, okay, be in my office, eight 30 Tuesday morning or whatever. And the kid scared him because when Hunter got into his office at seven 45, Kid was already sitting there. Wait, is that prod? In front of his prod. Desk. Yeah. That's yeah. Prod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I prod. <laughs> this is podcasting. I, you don't have to put any frame of reference around it. I got it. I know. When you said that, I was like, wait, that's prod. But um, you got, pers- you know, persistence. I mean, I think, Patrick, what you're talking about is persistence. Number one, I'm going to, you know, there's a, there's a difference between I'm going to call you all the time and I'm going to call you all the time. Right. So, right. so there's some persistence there. There's uh, following through, like somebody says, Hey, this is, if you, if you want this, here's the formula to get it. Okay. You got to follow through on that. And then, and then, and then if you don't follow through, you can't wonder why you didn't get it. And I also, you know, I think you go back to what you talked about, about candor and building relationships and like just kind of being a, a real person and being disarming. Like to, to me, if you, if you pull out those concepts that you just talked about, that's the answer to Pete's question. I think like you act like a human being. I mean, it's hard to get a job. Number one, but you got to act right. like a human being and, and you got to like really listen and then, you know, you do the things that you talked about. Like tell talk everybody to a lot truth. of human beings. You got to talk yeah. to a lot of human beings. You know? yeah. yeah. And tap your net, you know, like, I don't know how appropriate this is to say in this time, but like skip the HR level and just, tap your network and get to the hiring managers because uh, I know from the other end of things that there's a, there's a lot of applicants that never even make it to the hiring manager. And it's like, because some computer checked off some missing thing, you know, the hiring manager doesn't even get to decide if they really care about that thing or not. I think that's important for the new listeners out there. Make sure your resume can be parsed and you can check that online by looking at yeah. parsing uh, check. Make sure your resume can be parsed. And what I mean by that is some people spend a lot of time on fancy looking resumes. At the end of the day, yeah. it's going to go through an ATS an applicant tracking system. And that applicant tracking system might error it all out because it doesn't even know where your name is on that resume. So yeah, that's sure why I hired, that software. A, I hired a resume writer because yeah, I read a thing that resumes are for computers. Now LinkedIn is for humans. You know, like hiring managers don't even look at resumes. It's just only for the ATS. Yeah. Might not be a hundred percent true, but. And I think, you know, Bob Montgomery, you know, and, and Pete, I know you, Jason, you knew Bob, right? Yeah. A little bit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he's, he's, he used to say you get paid in this world for two things, doing something people don't want to do or doing something people can't. And not everyone. And then his analogy at the time was not everyone can be Shaquille O'Neal. And so he's going to get paid and not everyone wants to be a sales rep. So no. you're going to get paid to be a sales rep. So you, you're going to get that. Otherwise you got to do something you can't, uh, um, uh, people can't do, can't be Shaquille 
and not everyone wants yeah. to be a sales rep. So. All right. So I think Patrick, thank you very much for being on the show. I think we all appreciated it. Uh, Thanks, Patrick. I'm honored. And Pete, you want to cue your music? You're like, eh, it's okay. Pete, you want to cue your music? Wow, wow, chicka, wow. Doo-doo, doo-doo. Insert music here. All right. Hello. 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 Can't go that high. We're, we're digging out of uh, four inches of snow. Hold on. Ken, what are you doing, man? You got... I muted one of yours because you had echoes. Now nothing's working. I wish this I could have done this to you. Best like interview with Ken years. ever. <laughs> I wish we had this all the time. Oh my God, you're so profound. <laughs> Less is more, Kent. Less is more. <laughs> oh, there we go. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. It's the first time in my, my life people only wanted to look at me and didn't want to hear me. You were quite. I'm wearing now a nice scarf. And uh, I'm really presentable right now. Yeah, you look nice. Yeah, you got the Notre Dame logo on there. My hair is crazy, isn't it? What what would I give for hair like that? You know, Arnie, you got a little of that poet. uh, What's his name? Yeah. Yeah. Oscar Wilde. Captain, my captain. Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde. Everyone stand up on your desk and say, oh, Captain, my captain. Have you ever seen that skit on Sarant Live when they do that and the heads all get cut off by the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty excellent. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty excellent. No, we'll, put, we'll put it in right here. Pete, <laughs> <laughs> okay. you're still rocking the mustache. I thought with the harassment oh, no. I gave you last time. No, it's, it's staying out. It looks better. It's got a little gray in it now. We'll put a little more color Before in it. Before it looked a little... A little fake, almost. Well, that's because of mascara. Like he's drawing it in. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of new people are listen to the show, so you know, new leaders and whatnot. We'll blow you some shit, and then we'll hear, hear the story. And then you'll kick me out. Should the story it should the story include the day Pete tried to fire me, but I didn't pick up what he was putting down. So I just yes, it should. <laughs> yes, yes. Are it you serious? Is that for real? Yeah. yeah. He used to do. Uh, he used to do. He used to. Pete used to do this thing where he'd say, "What are you passionate about?" And then you'd say, "Whatever, whatever the answer is." And he'd be like, "Let's get you moving towards that." And that was his way of firing you. So what was, and I was your like, answer? Yeah. Hey, what was your like, what was your passion? What were you passionate about? I was passionate about comedy and 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 production and stuff. And he said, "Let's get you towards that." And I was like, "Sounds great, man. Get back to me with you when you have ideas." And I went right back to my desk. <laughs> so here comes HR. <laughs> Wait, now were you oblivious to what he was trying to do at the time? Or yeah, hundred percent. I had no idea. <laughs> you had no idea he was firing you. Nope. Nope. 
Yeah, and like a couple months later, Joe was like, you know, he was firing you. And I was like, oh, what? The <laughs> card doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Could you focus? Hey, what? Come on, you gotta be more direct. Yeah. I went back direct. to my desk and I was like, I paused my Netflix movie for that. Like, I just kept watching. <laughs> Well, if you do it the other way, you got to pay unemployment. This way, when you, yeah, you that, quit, you don't got to pay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's what you were thinking. Yeah. Oh, sure. baby. We were, oh, man. We turned and burned. All right, Ken, speaking to that intro there, Mr. Com- uh, comedian? Yeah, 100%. What? Uh, oh. Yeah, you sent me something, right? Yeah, I sure did. You guys also. Do the, so one for neuro- do the one I mean, for Neuronoodle, Do the Neuronoodle ad. <laughs> Hi, my name is Dr. Whatever. Um, yeah. From Seinfeld. Benastra. Paid 80 grand in a <laughs> consultant to come up with that name. Not for shakers. You know, this is only part of the show that everybody watches. <laughs> is, uh, okay. My name is Patrick Kent. I'm director of National Accounts at Phenom People, and you're watching a couple of assholes. Well, so it's a it's a podcast. It's it's a, this is a podcast, so th- they'll be listening to us. Gotcha. Yeah, it's the assholes, because Jason right. is the asshole. Take take two. Yeah, no, I know this was a great idea by you guys. Twenty twenty rolls around, and you're like, let's get three white guys on a podcast. This is what the world needs. <laughs> Patrick, you're white. That's exactly. Uh, yeah, that's exactly. Okay, I'm taking two. Ready? Hi, I'm Patrick Kent. I'm the director of national accounts at Phenom People, and you're watching. No, you're not watching. You're listening. God, to the assholes. I thought you were like it. this, you know, Patrick. Patrick, what are you? Actor, what are you passionate about? <laughs> it's not intros. <laughs> He's passionate yeah. about watching things, I think. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah. Carney, you only saw the last take. It takes 150 for me to get it right. All right, hold on. Okay, here we go. Three. I'm not right. doing three. Not on a And six. Pete would be like, that's what. So Pete's Michael Scott. Uh, he's, yeah. He's got a group of it. Oh, hey, plus, plus that's what she said. That's what she said. All right. I know you only have a, a couple things here besides the, uh, by the way, during this podcast, we may or may not lose Jason at any given time. He does live in Texas. The power right. is going in and out. Uh, right. Right. Um, are you, did you sleep in your car? Did you guys have heat? You know how much I like my car. Um, so that is a legitimate question. We yeah. did go for 24 hours without heat. Um, it was like five degrees, right? It was cold. Yeah, it was cold. It was single digit cold. But you know, there are a lot of people who had it worse than we did. So, uh, it, it, you know, I think we're all kind of waiting for the power to go out again. But um, so far, so good. So, just like, lucky. It's like here in California. It really is incredible. I mean, you know, thank God I grew up in a place that was cold like this because people who didn't are—they just don't even know what to do. They don't even know how to handle themselves. Nobody can drive. Pipes are bursting. People are just freaking out everywhere. Why am I shivering? Yeah. <laughs> What's going? Where's the sun? What is that white stuff falling from the sky? Like I, I mean, say, with the really with the rolling blackouts, it's probably more like North Korea, right? 
Well, I haven't been to North Korea. I don't have the same experience you do, Jamie. I'm not as yeah, worldly as you are. I just am imagining it. Yeah, my, my beautiful uh, my man scarf I put on as a joke today. <laughs> used to make fun uh, of man scarf people. Can you see uh, Ung Sung's barber when you're over there? There was only 10 approved haircuts. If you guys don't know, I want to give another shout out to Matt Grover. At one time, he came into the office and he shaved the sides of his head like two inches above his ears. He goes, I just don't like hair down there. And he literally looked like the American version of Kim Jong-un. So we created Grover Bucks and we said there were only 10 approved haircuts in the interactive marketing team. And we called him Rocket Man. And he literally didn't leave his office for a week. He was embarrassed because everyone on the floor would laugh at him, including his wife, because when we pointed it out, it's like, it is the Kim Jong-un haircut. He totally had the Kim Jong-un haircut. So, you know his wife, too, was like, "Don't do, you don't want to do that. He's like, no, nah, it'll be fine. It's going to look great. Yeah. She, Betsy, was laughing hysterically at him when he got home and told him the story. And then he wouldn't leave because he's like, anyone who sees me on this entire floor that you've talked to, I'll start laughing at me and call me Rocket Man. <laughs> I have a, a funny off-podcast uh, story about Grover. So no such thing. When we're done recording. No, no, no. This is off-podcast. <laughs> we're done. We usually finish what? recording about Yeah, don't podcast. worry. The record button is fake. That's a fake button. Right there. Pete claims he recorded before and it went out. So you can tell oh, I've been there. Oh, I've been there. So, so... And you see that they have those now, they have those AI news generators, so it's like not even a human writing a story. It's like, it's crap like that. Awful. Yeah. Applied at CareerBuilder, I was going to lie on my resume and say I graduated college. Thank God I didn't, because that's there was literally no expectations when you joined CareerBuilder at that time. <laughs> and, but if you lied, you got fired automatically. That was the, they didn't tell you that. So it was like, they would take anyone. You didn't have to graduate middle school, I don't think, back in those days. Did you? Pete's a testament to that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and he's, you know, mildly successful in Hollywood, and I'm here with a day job still. <laughs> If you're if you're still drunk from last night, please sleep in your car. Like, don't pass out in the break room. You know, like, it was <laughs> it was insane. It was an insane environment, and to keep even a little of the reins on it, kudos. You know, I mean, before your time, we were out in that Cumberland office, and you know, that's where I was. Well, you were the the fire yeah. department and the structural engineers came in and said we were stacking too many people on a floor. It was disturbing the entire building. And then also anyone who worked there knew, go somewhere else. If you have to even use the washroom at all on Friday, do not use a washroom. Star floor. Yeah, yeah. You just you go, go to Bennigan's or whatever it was. Yeah. And you use that or travel across yeah. the street to, uh, to Dominic's. You didn't There's go that nice there. hotel. Yeah, the Renaissance, Renaissance over there. That's yeah. it. That was or crazy. the Clarion Hotel, which is where OJ dumped his glove when he was arrested. Yes, that's right. That was right across the street. I think it's all good, all, yeah, all good yeah. bathrooms. All good bathrooms. 
Yeah, that place, it was. I remember my first cube. I mean, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. My monitor is wider than my first cube was. I mean, it was like exactly the width of the width of the chair. <laughs> Just sat in it. <laughs> yeah, and then, I don't know. I know some, some of the leaders, like if you showed up late and didn't tell them you were going to be late, they took away your chair. No chair. You earn your chair yeah. back. <laughs> My team, we, you had to earn your chair every single morning by setting an appointment. So nobody got to sit in their chairs until they sat in a, set an appointment. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, That's also... A, it's a, that was a stand-up desk. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Before yeah. stand-up desks. Before. And the desk didn't raise. <laughs> yeah. I would always sandbag the last appointment from the previous day and be like, hey, I'm going to call you tomorrow morning just to confirm. And boom, appointment set. I'm sitting... You don't, Watch you don't mess with a fat guy in his chair. <laughs> Let's take a bunch of C-level students straight out of high college, turn and burn them for, you know, eight straight hours a day on a business unit that we've never even tested. <laughs> like, no, no, like, dip in the toe in the water, just hire 200 people immediately. It was crazy. It was nuts. But yeah, it's like, it had to be like that because... It's like the, the structure had to be there because otherwise there would be no structure. It would, be, it would have been wild. Like there was emails going out saying like, if you're if you're still drunk from last night, please sleep in your car. Like don't pass out in the break room. You know, like it was, <laughs> it was insane. It was an insane environment. And to keep even a little of the reins on it, kudos. I mean, before your time, we were out in that Cumberland office. And, you know, That's where I was. Oh, you were. The, the fire yeah. department and the structural engineers came in and said we were stacking too many people on a floor. It was yeah. disturbing the entire building. And then also anyone who worked there knew, go somewhere else. If you have to even use the washroom at all on Friday, do not use a washroom. Star floor. Yeah, yeah. You could just you go, go to Bennigan's or whatever it was, <laughs> yeah. and you use that, or travel yeah. across the street to uh, to Dominic's. You did There's that nice there. hotel. There's a yeah, Renaissance over there. That's yeah. it. That was or the Clarion place. Hotel, which is where OJ dumped his glove or was arrested. Yes, that's right. That was right across the street. I think it's all good baths. All good, yeah, good yeah. baths. Yeah, that place, it was, I remember my first cube, I mean, I, I, I'm i not exaggerating, my monitor is wider than my first cube was. I mean, it was like exactly the width of the width of the chair. <laughs> Just sat in it. <laughs> yeah, and then, I don't know, I know some, some of the leaders, like if you showed up late and didn't tell them you were gonna be late, they took away your chair. No chair. You to earn your chair yeah. back. My team, we, you had to earn your chair every single morning by setting an appointment. So nobody got to sit in their chairs until they sat in a set an appointment. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, That's also a it's a, that was a stand up desk. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like before yeah. stand up desks. Before, and the desk didn't raise. raise. <laughs> yeah, I would always sandbag the last appointment from the previous day and be like, "Hey, I'm going to call you tomorrow morning just to prefer. And boom, appointment set. I'm sitting. You don't watching. You don't mess with a fat guy in his chair. probably a little irresponsible in the good old days and if a we little? would have just like a little cinched our belt a like a half a notch we could have avoided all that but yeah so um so it the party ended yeah i'm i'm doing a lot of calculations in my head about what stories i'm allowed to share and what stories are gonna 
end up with a uh, memo from their legal department. But yeah, yeah, it is. And, and you yeah. know what I would say? Even We're doing the same point. thing, by the way. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your, your company, we will edit those out, believe me. Yeah. So I'm not trying to yeah. be disparaging okay. at all. This is just a... Um, Ruckus with For, yeah, It was just how you it know. Is. I think I threatened to bring your wife into a one-on-one once. 100%. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wait, why? Because why? I'm, I'm terrified of her. <laughs> it's called accountability. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, Joe, you know, Joe, go ahead, Doug. Oh, I was going to say, Joe also would do that. He's like, if I want you to get something done bad, enough and I know it has to get done I'm going to email your wife and I'd be like no no okay I'll do it I'll do it I swear to God I'll do it <laughs> <laughs> alright so I don't recommend that at all yeah <laughs> don't threaten That's a strategy. spouses that is a very <laughs> unique strategy that only you can yourself. pull off edit this out of the podcast completely <laughs> but it might be an HR violation yeah, yeah could be yeah. We all know Scarrett. He went to Canada, changed his haircut, started wearing suits, and then came back. And I was like, "What the fuck? Are you, what are you doing?" Oh, sorry. Are you wheeling the person there? No, that's okay. Uh, apologies. He you blurted out. Um, Number two, Patrick. We got a lot of people. It's February. Uh, you had December graduates. People coming out. Uh, they're looking for sales jobs. How would somebody get a job on your team? What would you be looking for? What hints can you give out there if you were ever looking to grow your team? Dude. Well said. I don't know. (laughs) You know, uh, feed the lions, ride the horses, and shoot the dogs. He's got his guns at the ready too. He'll sh- he shoots. <laughs> oh, on that note, uh, Cardi. What? What? What are you passionate about, Carney? What am I passionate about? Um, Ending this show. <laughs> Pete's mustache. Yeah, I'm obsessed. I'm late for a shoot. Patrick, you missed it. He flobied his hair like three weeks ago. And he came uh, it looks mustache. It's hard Flobie's to tell looking a little bit better. It's grown in a little bit. About three centimeters now. And then last week, I'll send him like, you got a mustache. And, and uh, I think we started coining him around Jeremy with which gift. You look, no, you don't want to be associated with that He's had yeah, some legal troubles recently. Another, another great sasshole. I don't follow Ron Jeremy, so I didn't know. When I, I saw him uh, coming out of a Whole Foods in L.A., and I was like, well, Nothing I'm but following. zucchini in his bag. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I decided to follow him to his car, and I'm not joking. It looked like he picked it up at the dump this car it was it's like good for yeah i don't know either he's falling on hard times or he's putting his money elsewhere but that car you think he ever had a lot of money i mean i don't know i think this has been great it's been great catching up with you mr kent yeah i hope but it just shows that anybody can be anything they want to be anyone no matter how little confidence you have in them 
if enough people quit a company, you will get a good book of business. <laughs> <You Yeah. know>? <laughs> <laughs> that is a story that we're not saying is why people stay at when do when do you want to tell us the Grover story? Oh hold on one it second. It was after hold we're on. done editing. Hold on, before yeah. It's gonna be a expensive negotiation. My words yeah. cost money. Patrick, we'll use you just for the outline, uh, the chapter. You, 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 you're not going to put my face one, on the front. Inspired by Patrick. Chapter two, inspired by Patrick. The index. Just at the end, just our apologies to Patrick Kent. We didn't have any more pages left. We could not quite get to you. It'd be like an insert. Yeah. <laughs> just a flyer. Uh -huh. <laughs> that falls out when you open it. Scented. All righty. <laughs>